You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. We're back. And this week, we're continuing our discussion about needs because it's really an investigation on all levels of what we may need. What do we need physically? What do we need emotionally? What do we need spiritually? What do we need to help us feel like we've uh, self-actualized in our lives? So we'll be deepening into the discussion and looking at how do we respond when we become aware of a need? What are our bodily sensations? Um, and I'm going to be talking about what happens in an enmeshed family often. And we'll talk a bit about our nervous system because this is really important actually for, um, giving ourselves safety as we, um, broach this area of, of needs. So first of all, I want to give you an imagery for or an image for an enmeshed family. So in a, in a family where we are functional, we are, all allowed to have our own feelings, um, our own moods, our own boundaries. Someone can be in a bad mood. At the same time, someone else is in a good mood. Someone can be having a great time. Someone else can be having a not such great time. And those two are allowed to coexist while allowing everyone to, you know, receive support and share about what's going on for them. In a dysfunctional family, it's like we're all stuck in a strawberry jam sandwich and we're all stuck in the jam. So if one parent is raging and moody, then we all are impacted by that. If one parent is drunk, we're all impacted by that. If one parent is disconnected and dissociated, we're all impacted by that. If one parent um, is very depressed, we're all impacted by that. So the nature of the, the dysfunction is that there's no separation between the individuals. And it's like we are literally all stuck in the jam. I, I use this image with clients sometimes because it's a really wonderful kind of visual explanation of how come we feel so stuck. It's because we've been stuck constantly hooked into someone else's emotional state. And so part of healing and recovery is that we kind of want to carve ourselves out of that. And that can be incredibly complex because of the fact that we were very connected to someone else's feelings because we then learned how we needed to be as a child to keep us safe. So it may be hard for you to take care of yourself around your mother, for example, if your felt sense is finely tuned to her emotional state and keeping her safe, many of us learned that we needed to tend to our mother's emotional needs, 
to look after what she needed, what she wanted to be her confidant. So tuning into the what's going on in her nervous system and intuiting that would be a way that we kept ourselves safe as children. So now any displeasure that comes from her may mean that it stops us being able to meet our needs. And we're going to talk a bit about our nervous system with regards to this. So let's have a quick nervous system primer. This is from the work of Stephen Porges. So our nervous system is always out of our awareness. So it's it's unconscious, detecting signs of safety or unsafety. You could say danger, but we can say safety or unsafety so that we can assess what we might need to do. Now that process is way, way quicker. This, this um, process, which is called neuroception, which is the way we assess cues of safety and danger constantly, is way quicker than our frontal cortex. And you will know that because you react to things much quicker before you have the cognition. So our neuroception is made up of our interoception and our exteroception. Let's first focus on internally, which is the interoception. So that is the way in which our, we become aware of sensations in our body. So what is going on for our digestion? Um, what physical sensations are we being sent from our body? Do we need to go to the loo? Do we have pain anywhere? And all of these will either send us cues of safety or cues of danger. So, for example, if you need to go to the loo and you know there's not a bathroom, that might send you a cue of danger. Hunger may send you a cue of danger. Then exteroception. So that's our perception of what's going on in the external world. And um, Deb Dane always talks about this as being what's going on in the wider world and then in what's going on in our relationships. So if you have very good, solid, loving, supportive relationships around you, that will contribute massively to your feeling of safety in the world. If there are um, uh, scary, traumatic, worrying things going on in the wider world, that will automatically contribute to making you feel a little bit more unsafe in the world, even if you're not, not directly involved in them. That's why often um, not watching the news or not having alerts on your phone is helpful because you can then manage that extra reception because you don't get that extra data input to your system, which would give you signs of danger. So if we consider those those things, so the interoception and the exteroception, which can combine, like combine in our neuroception, and we're always picking up signs of safety and danger. If you can conceptualize or think about how when you were a young child, you may have needed to tend to your mother's emotions, or perhaps you needed to manage your siblings um, so that she wouldn't lose her temper. So that might mean um, making sure your siblings didn't misbehave, making sure your siblings didn't do anything too risky. If you had a very anxious mom, maybe um, she didn't want them to climb too high or play on the high swings or climb the high trees. So you may have been tasked with ensuring that happened. So then you are always, you become tuned to her nervous system and you're always noticing what's going on, what's going on with her. How can I make this better? What do I need to get these siblings or, or how do I need to alter the situation to um, make it so that she can be okay? Because remember, children prioritize their relationship with their caregiver above everything else. We know that we need our caregivers or our mothers to survive. And so we do what it is that they need us to do so that they can still be there for us in some way. I hope that makes sense. So if you were always primed to care for your mother's emotions or to be good or to be quiet, then you would be completely unaware of your needs. And also coming into awareness of your needs and putting them first will threaten that um, 
pattern. And so you might get signs of danger from your own body because you've had to tend to whoever the parent is to keep yourself safe as a child. So as an adult, it will feel very um, uh, uncomfortable often in your body when you're starting to tend to yourself. So let's have a quick example of that. If when you were growing up, you needed to be really um, good and perfect, um, mistakes weren't really allowed. If you broke something or dropped something or spilt your milk, um, you might have got really shamed and you learned that that was really, it was bad to make any mistakes. So being, being good and pleasing your mother became really a part of your emotional safety. So now if you're an adult and that your mom still relies on you for emotional support, for um, kind of buoying her up, uh, telling her it's all going to be okay. She phones you a lot. Um, she really wants to connect. She wants to see you a lot. When you try and start resisting that or saying you don't want to see her, you will get um, a sense of that she's very displeased. She may say that. She may be passive aggressive, but your your bodily sensations will then give you a sign of threat because when you're a young child, you needed to keep the peace, as it were, to be good, not to break things, to do whatever it was that was required of you in the scenario. And so starting to put yourself first and consider what you may need, i.e. perhaps you don't want to be in touch with her all the time. Perhaps you don't want to see her. Perhaps you're trying to reformulate the way your relationship is. Your own body will communicate to you, oh, oh, this is not safe. And so part of coming into a relationship with our own needs and um, and starting to meet them is really deepening our own awareness of our body sensations, noticing they're not telling us the truth about now, that we are actually safe, and then um, sending ourselves uh, signals of safety so that we can actually proceed with putting down the boundary and meeting our needs. Now, I'm going to do a whole separate episode about um, boundaries and needs. Um, that's just a sort of a high-level summary that we need to let ourselves know now that we are safe and that we can act in alignment with our values and in what is good for us. So generally in an enmeshed family, um, love is constructed as we are all very close and we look after each other and separateness is not allowed. Closeness and enmeshment are seen as love. We're always looking out for each other. We're always looking out for the other and the other, the needs of the other get put before each individual. So your needs now as an adult may actually feel threatening because we um, they undermine what you may think love is. If you've grown up in an enmeshed family where love is this closeness and this enmeshment, then starting to prioritize yourself um, may throw up um, kind of conflicts for you in terms of the way you view yourself. You may feel like you're selfish or you're only interested in yourself or a bad person. No, this is not the case because the original model of love was not emotionally healthy. Really loving someone is letting them be free, letting them have their own boundaries, their own needs, meeting those needs. Yes, there are lots and lots of needs that we need other people to meet. And we have to ask for those and negotiate with the people in our lives. So starting to meet your own needs may really threaten your view of yourself. If you have a view of yourself as I'm a really good person or I'm selfless, not selfish, or I'm a loving, thoughtful person, 
if the needs of others were always centered, then starting to meet your own needs will threaten those views of yourself of I'm a good person or I'm selfless. And I want to say that that's kind of a false premise. You are a good person. And actually the idea that um, you're not a good person if you're not putting the needs of others first is is a really damaging idea that's it sort of runs through our society. We need people who are deeply in touch with themselves who allow others to also be deeply in touch with ourselves. And when we are deeply in touch with ourselves, we are much more likely to be really connected to our children and to our um, all our relationships. And we will then allow other people to meet their own needs. Just notice if that's part of your narrative, if it feels that um, you could never do that because you couldn't let yourself do that, or it would shatter your image of yourself of being kind of perfectly helpful or um, a good person or a good mother. Um, just kind of notice some of that and I'll put some journal questions around that so you can deepen your own inquiry around this. I want to kind of give you the clear message that it's really important that you need to, that you meet your needs. It's really important that you come into contact with them, that you allow yourself to notice what they are. And as always, it's not a, um, it's not a duality. It's and we have to kind of, um, break down this view of of how we might conceptualize ourselves to allow ourselves to do what we need to do now. A lot of the stuff that we learn in childhood that is is modeled for us, modeled around what did love look like, is an unhealthy emotional model. So I hope that that makes sense. So we talked a bit about um, neuroception and how we um, become aware of our own needs from the sensations in our body often. Um I'm wondering how you are in relation to your physical needs. Now, for many of us, this might be very complicated um, because of the connection we have with our bodies. We may have cut off from our bodies to survive. We may have dissociated or really just totally disconnected. And many of us exist in a um, in a frozen state, so for kind of a freeze in our body, but a very, very active mind. If that's you, you know, um, I'm, I really resonate with that. And... Um, one of the ways to start kind of deepening into your, um, your, your own journey with your own body is to become a bit more aware of your physical sensations. Try and feed yourself regularly. Try and notice early cues that you might need to go to the bathroom. If something happens that, that scares you, notice what happens with your body. Just tune in a bit more. This is a, a long, long process. This type of recovery takes years, not months. And, we have to kind of continually be our own gentle witness, gentle witness, gentle witness. And if you're someone like me who likes to get things done fast um, and quickly and get it over with, then um, I'm in an ongoing dialogue with myself around um, sort of slow healing and what that means and also acknowledging some of the frustration and unwinding from that kind of overworking hecticness. So become a little bit more aware of your body sensations. Um, give yourself space to observe. Notice if you feel numbness. Notice if you feel tension. Notice if you feel pain. And those are, are signals often that we need to take some action, that there's a need that we, that may be going unmet. And also, um, they indicate that, um, there may be a boundary that needs to be set. So we're going to um, further our discussions about this um, in the next couple of episodes. And what I also want to suggest is that our needs are an investigation on all levels initially. So we're not going to get everything right. When you start to notice how have you been spending your time and 
um, to wonder if how you spend your time is actually how you want to be spending your time. We may have to go right back to kind of square one and think, okay, how do I want to spend my leisure time? What do I like to do on the weekends? Do I like to go for brunch with friends? Do I like to take my kids to the park? Do I like to get together with other families? Do I like to go to the cinema by myself? And many of us have never been given a chance to develop those preferences or to know that our preferences were even important. So part of coming into relationship with your needs is starting to value your preferences. If someone says to you, what takeaway would you like tonight? If your partner says or your friend, really think, what takeaway would you like? You may always choose the one that they like, but think, what would I like? If someone says to you, um, do you want to meet here or there? Like really think where it would work. If you typically always travel to be very close to where a friend lives and they're an hour away, ponder, does that work? Could we meet halfway between? Could they come closer to me? It's really a gentle, and I keep on using the word inquiry, but that's what it is. It's a gentle questioning of our processes. Does this work for me? Could I suggest something else? Could I just experiment? We want to be holding this lightly. Your needs are something you're going to be doing a um, a dance with your whole life. And so holding them and thinking, okay, what might my little child like? Might I like to try that? Would I like that food? Would I like to go and play tennis? Or would I prefer to go to a yoga class or running around the park? Or actually, do I need to go for some psycho singing class because that sparks joy for me? And sometimes we have to literally try out a whole lot of things and have humor about that to to notice. And when you're holding something lightly, it also brings in an, an element of play. And play is is actually a wonderful way of repatterning. And it gives us also a sign of safety, repatterning our nervous system. I mean, so often when we've had wounding and trauma in childhood, we, we didn't have enough play ever. So you can investigate. Maybe if you loved horse riding as a child, maybe you want to go and do some horse riding or figure skating or roller skating. So let me know how you go with this investigation. I'd love to hear your, um, your realizations and, um, what is bringing up joy for you this week. We'll be back next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living. Music